This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Episode 334 of the Doctor Who podcast. And if, if the planning has worked, you will be listening to this either after your Christmas meal or possibly on Boxing Day or if things have gone really, really bad. It might be 2022 already. (laughs) Um, But this is our final episode to talk about Flux. I am joined by Ian, Brent and Michelle. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, James. Hello, everyone. So, this time round, we're going to switch the format up a little bit. I've got a series of questions here that have been asked uh, across fandom. They're not mine. I mean, I'm intrigued in the answers to a couple of them, or I'm intrigued by the potential answers to some of them. But I'd very much like to just use them as a conversation base really and uh, just want to see whether or not the two or three weeks now since episode six of flux has has aired has made things clearer to us all (laughs) Um, but before that I do want to check on one of my campervan co-hosts mental health because that's what you do these days and when I last heard him on a DWP sounded rather angry so Ian how are you doing mate? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm over it. I think I've got over it. It's been a trial, but I think I'm about there. Now, I I, I know I was by far the grinchiest of the people in the the, the camper van overflux. And I mean, looking back now, there were some good bits. I did enjoy Village of the Angels. I did enjoy individual uh, performances and pieces. As a whole, though, I think it was still naff. And I I think why I was particularly upset was... I mean, you, James, you had been pretty underwhelmed all season long and had pretty much given up on it all season long, was I kept hoping, oh, it'll land. They'll stick the landing. That's the last time I'm ever saying that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) They'll do that and it'll all be brilliant. And of course, they didn't. So I kind of built up this sort of backwash of dislike and then it all came out at once. One of the things I enjoy... Um, from this from doing this podcast is listening to my friends journeys and I think actually your journey over the last six weeks Ian has been the most defined and pronounced because you've you've chronicled your feelings about Flux really clearly and uh, I, I think about midway through it became really apparent to me that you were very desperate for a good ending, and uh, you know, I, and when I when I watched episode six, I I kind of predicted the uh, the oncoming storm, let's say, uh, that uh, that turned up in my inbox when you sent your feedback through. So, but it's good to hear that a you're not feeling as unwell as uh, as you sounded when you recorded that, and secondly, that uh, you don't sound as violent um, <laughs> as you as you did in that episode. Let's start then. Um, this is my first question. Brent, mm-hmm. will the Doctor ever retrieve her fob watch from the TARDIS waste disposal tube? Hmm. 
if RTD runs out of ideas, sure. <laughs> right, so you've written off the possibility of it being retrieved in the next three episodes. I really don't think so. I feel like um, that part is sort of wrapped up for now, unless, you know, she possibly runs into the master later on this year, which I'm sure, um, next year, I mean, which I'm sure will happen. Um, I don't know. And how does that feel if they don't revisit her? I'm okay with that too, um, because you know it's always there if they want to. It's not like it was thrown away or destroyed. Or uh, I do have to say that uh, as much as I hated the whole timeless child thing, <laughs> it's starting to grow on me a little bit, like a fungus. Uh, <laughs> it's because uh, originally I felt like it disrespected the previous doctors, but as long as she doesn't mm. remember any of it, I guess it's okay. Drew was saying that now anyone can cosplay as their own doctor out of the thousands of unseen doctors, but if you start showing those previous doctors on screen, that kind of dilutes the brand for me. Because mm. to me, there's only 15 doctors right now, including the war doctor and the fugitive doctor, but you know, right now you can fit them all on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will probably see it again in the specials. I think... What is it that that literary device is it Chekhov's gun or something like that? Mm-hmm. Where once you once you put it in the story, I, I mean, Chibnall could ignore that, of course. But um, I feel like maybe maybe leading up to the regeneration or something, we might see her having to retrieve that for some reason or other. And I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I'm kind of okay with it being opened at some point, just so long as it doesn't significantly change. You know, maybe she'll regain them. And lose? I don't know. I don't know. But I do think we'll, I think it'll feature again before before the end of Chibnall's time. I am absolutely certain it will appear before the end of Chibnall's time because I think it's inextricably linked to this big plot arc that Chibnall's executed. And I think RTD will carry over nothing at all from the Chibnall era other than a few throwaway things, you know, maybe a few, you know, baddies that have come up that are kind of cool. I don't think the arc is going to carry on. And you don't tend to see that from one showrunner to the next. They tend to do their thing and then the new person blank slate and they do their thing. So I think there is no chance at all that RTD would bring it back. And I suspect Chibnall wouldn't want to give up whatever crazy idea he's got for all of this. So I am certain he will do it just to make sure that it lands. Can it possibly be satisfying because if she does go back there the character of the doctor i mean in in story terms and finds out one of two things first of all the one thing that we're all referring to because it sticks in the mind very clearly really is is the fact that there's x number of former incarnations um ready to be explored or at least explained to the audience that's number one but i think chibnall's story is much more about the division and even when a fob watch was kind of we glimpsed the um the house the um the house in which all of the division secrets were held in the final story of flux you know it didn't focus on the doctor it focused on the division so does tactian did did she use that fob watch as a hard drive for everything about the doctor or was it purely just the stuff about the division my impression it was everything it was everything prior to um the william hartnell doctor was locked up in this thing well does she know all of that though i think she would if she opened the watch i think she was a part of it and so 
If she opens the watch, she will know. Well, if we're talking about hundreds of different incarnations of the Doctor, does uh, and Tacteo knows about every single one? You know that that feels a bit. Well, I think that's the implication because because Tecteyun created in a way. I mean, I, the Timeless Child was the Timeless Child, but Tecteyun manipulated the Timeless Child. It sounded like through at least a significant number of early regenerations. And if she was affiliated with Division from then on, and Tecteyun seems to have been in charge of Division all these years, um, yeah, yeah. It could also be used as a plot device for the rest of the series until she regenerates. And then maybe she'll she knows that all the her previous memories are in there and has to sacrifice it to save someone else or something and it gets destroyed. I'm just not sure there's a positive outcome of us finding out what is in that pocket watch. It's either going to be so enormous, it's going to be almost impossible to just conclude and forget about by the time Chibnall leaves or... If they don't go there, so things are left as they currently stand, she just chucks it away, then, you know, all Chibnall has done is asked the most intriguing question um, to be, have been asked since the show came back in 2005, only not to answer it. So is there a positive outcome from this storyline? I think you could do a storyline, which they sort of hinted at in this one, but of course it wasn't developed, like nothing was developed, but about who we are and 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 how we become who we are and how we choose who we are and how much does what we did in the past impact who we are going forward. I mean, the doctor had to make a conscious choice about, do I want my self-understanding to encompass all this stuff or am I content with with my lives as I know it? And and I think I think that that could be an interesting avenue to explore if it's done well. I'm less mm. convinced it could be done well. Yeah, likewise. I just think that sounds a bit dull. It's like <laughs> I'm 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 going to spend however long it's taken to chase down a division, you know, basically to try and understand who she is. The audience is going along with the story because it's an intriguing premise, and then you get to the point where it could actually happen and I just can't see it ending well. My, my next question, which is kind of a subheading uh, to that one, really, and I think we've covered that, really. Are we done with the division and Tacteon? We're, we're assuming she is dead. Well, Chibnall in that interview, the 15-minute interview, I think indicated she was dead. I, I think Tacteon is gone, uh, unless unless we see her in flashbacks or memories. That's always a possibility. But I think moving forward, Tacteon is gone. So Yeah, I, I think that as a forward force... Tecteon and the Division are gone. Will we see him in flashback? I, I think it's almost certain we will because I can't imagine we're not going to see the Fugitive Doctor again. I can't imagine we're not going to see an explanation for, you know, we, we the, the Fugitive Doctor was attacking the Temple of Atropos with some people who got overlaid with the Companions. I think there'll be some more stuff about that. So I think, yes, there'll be more Division, but it will be retrospective flashbacky Division. If any of the threads continue over into this next year it's going to be the division hmm. there's there's so much there that you can pull out of 
and and discover more of. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I kind of agreed with what Ian was saying about a full stop being placed after this particular era. However, if in years to come, RTD decides to look backwards or possibly his successor decides to look backwards, the division is the thing that you can do the most with plot-wise. I mean, you could even tie it into the CIA and uh, all manner of other time lord culture things if they want to produce a story or an episode that focuses on that. Uh, So I, I can't see anything else really uh, being used um i mean the the station the space station i i i think there was a name for it uh on which tactaean operated the division in between universes what was all that about seeding things because that kind of suggested she was on her way to a new universe to set up from scratch i mean has does that story die with the character or is that something that could continue i think that might even be the future of the show because, I mean, one of the big things hanging on from the flux is that, you know, 90% of the universe has been destroyed. That That's a pretty big plot point to get past. And, you know, I, I did a cookie theory a few weeks ago that we're going to get a hard reset on the whole show. And, you know, I was more musing at the time, but the more I thought about it, you know, Star Trek did this with the, the movies. They they found a way to reset the canon and, and clear themselves of the, the, the legacy of the canon. Star Wars did it with the new movies. You know, they, they jettisoned the entire enhanced universe, expanded universe, and started again. And I only cite those because that's the kind of thing you can see producers and the BBC saying, well, they did it and look what it did for them. Maybe we should do the same. And I'm coming, it was a kooky theory before. I'm actually becoming more and more of a prediction now that I suspect the outcome of all this might be the Doctor abandons her, you know, all of her memories go back into the Fob Watch and the Fob Watch is lost. We get a fresh Doctor, a fresh universe. You know, we go to the new universe that's completely blank slate. You can start again, but because of the seeding, you can still have the Master was seeded maybe or Daleks or Cybermen. So you can bring across little bits of the canon you want and you jettison all of the other stuff that you don't, and RTD gets a completely blank page to work from. I would suggest that you've thought about this in a far more structured and productive way than <laughs> Chibnall or RTD has demonstrated any evidence of doing. Uh, but you never know. You may well be correct. I mean, you, when you were listing your examples there of different franchises that have found ways to keep going, I was thinking of the James Bond uh, franchise as well uh, where they've literally I mean the character should be 90 years old by now I think uh, but essentially he remains you know 40 to 50 and uh, they, they they bring forward things from previous iterations of the of the franchise and uh, and create brand new ones as as well so interesting uh, you did touch on something there which uh, I, I got further on down my list which I will now promote um, slightly higher up uh, but you talked about this universe being devastated and then not being you know well half of it has been destroyed by the flux regardless of the fact that earth has been protected by both flux events um i i think that is an interesting question um and my view is kind of two two parts to it has the universe actually been destroyed or did we miss something about everything being reset and the flux not actually happening in the first place and if it did happen have the daleks and cybermen been completely wiped out notwithstanding either the daleks I'm not sure if the if the entire universe has been like, that was one of the things mm. I didn't understand because mm. it, it felt like it had been mostly destroyed and then it felt like 
maybe maybe I missed a line at the end or something that something was <laughs> yeah. sort of reset. So I'm not sure. And you were talking about the other universe that Tech Taehyun wanted to take everyone to, you know. Does that play in? So I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for clearing things up there. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is. It was stated directly in the show, very clearly. Why is it? You know, then the doctor said, looked at the model of it in the space station. Why is it so small? It's all been destroyed already. And I didn't see anything that one did that. And, you know, just to go slightly meta on it, we had our 15 minute explain the series video mm-hmm. from Chibnall. If anywhere they were going to say, oh, and here's how it was all made right, it would have been in that video. I think it was addressed in that 15-minute video. There was a little part of it there, and it was kind of implied that because time was a planet, Swarm and Azure were able just to watch the destruction on a loop, right? And the implication there is that if it's on a loop, and it's actually a time loop, it's actually happening. The flux is coming, it's destroying, then they rewind it back, and then they do it again. The implication is is that at the point at which they were assimilated or evaporated... That's where things actually stopped. And if things actually stopped, that means that loop was never actually commenced or it never started in the first place, which would imply that the rest of the universe is actually okay. I, I think that's an inference on an inference. I think that that is the inference that the uh, production team has made mm. because while I don't think it was explained well at all in the show itself, the last scene where they're gathering the TARDIS team together again and Dan, and they all look so happy and carefree. Oh, yeah, come come, come travel with <laughs> us again. Then running right into the trailer for what I understand is going to be kind of a romantic comedy for the holiday special. I think as far as the production team is concerned, the universe is fine. I do not think it was explained very well in the show. Although I think James' theory is the best one, that, that the line about the loop... Um, has to be the only explanation I can find in there that maybe maybe we were at the beginning of the loop again. I mean, it, it wasn't, as you say, clear in any way from the episode itself. Um, but that's, that's this kind of suggestion that was made. And I forget whether or not it was Chibnall or Whitaker, but it was, it was when they were describing or talking about Swarm and Azure rather than time or the whole overarching impact of the of the flux event um so it it wasn't something they were addressing directly in the documentary it was it was just something that they kind of alluded to so even this postscript which quite frankly for a sensible series should never have needed to have existed (laughs) it doesn't really do much to help anyone (laughs) in my view i don't like that explanation because it was so unclear and you know Mm. we are really reaching for it however all season long chibnall's been doing this with rubbish writing where you've got to try and guess what's going on and yes they needed this ludicrous wrap-up video at the end of the season to try and explain it to everybody so could they have done it? Yeah, they could have done it. Would it be satisfying? Yeah. Not at all. No, and I don't disagree with that at all. It's just trying to flesh out whether or not it was addressed in a way that I don't like or whether actually, as the most of fandom, certainly in the immediate ad- aftermath of, of broadcast, everyone was saying, well, hang on a minute, where's the universe gone? You know, And, and, and the fact that those people were asking those questions indicates very clearly that uh, the storyline wasn't as explicit. I think there'll be more to come out about that video. Uh, We alluded to this, actually, when Michelle 
and I uh, recorded the last episode with Phil. Um, it, it's it's trying to figure out when it was produced because Whitaker is in costume, so it must have been on a set of Flux. So did they know at that point the story was going to need some kind of uh, e- explanation? And yet the parts with Chibnall, uh, A, in a different place, which I know is nothing remarkable, but he th- looks... As he, as he does now. Now, at the beginning of Flux, it was a couple of pounds heavier, shall we say. So at some point, someone has pieced together um, those two sets of interviews and produced a single video. And it wouldn't have been able to have been done as quickly as it materialised. So I think this, this had to have been produced before the finale aired. I, I don't think it was necessarily Whitaker in costume on the set of Flux. It could easily have been Whitaker in costume on the set of one of the specials when they were recording those. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what that you might have had true. is that they, they assembled the whole series, they showed it to various people at the BBC who went, huh? And then in between finishing making Flux and broadcasting it, someone said, you really need to do something about this. That would be possible if it wasn't all done and wrapped at the same point. Because it was. The first eight episodes were all done in a single block and it all finished. Actually, I have a feeling even... Yes, it was. The regeneration scene or the final scene, shall we say, for Jodie's Doctor was in the can, filmed before Flux even began to air. But I'm not talking about it airing. I'm talking about people watching it. Even if they were watching the rushes or watching a rough cut, they could have been internal people within the production or within the BBC. I suspect the BBC rather than the production, because the production seemed to be drinking from their own Kool-Aid, that were watching an early version of it while they were still filming the later ones and said, guys, this really doesn't hang together, because mm. it obviously doesn't hang together. And all of us have commented the same thing, that as a, as a whole, the story doesn't stack up. Yeah. So I think there could have been an instruction halfway through guys, you need to do something here. You need to, to, to add something or at least record the material so that you can. Okay then, Daleks and Cybermen, did the Doctor just commit genocide? What, again? How many times has the Doctor committed genocide <laughs> on the Daleks? You know, when, when you know, sending the, the hand of Omega into the heart of Scaro and they're all dead and, oh look, they're not. Uh, yeah, okay. It's like the Master, you know, you, you can kill them as many times as you like. It, it's not really genocide if it isn't all of the Daleks or all of the Cybermen. <laughs> um, it, and, and oh, oh that makes it okay, James. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it's not as severe, is it? It's, it's more like um, murder in a second or something. I don't know how it works in America, but some some kind of uh, degrees of uh, atrocity. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to get rid of the Daleks or the Cybermen. So. Of course not. Of course not. But at the same time, the Doctor... In, in this story seem to be okay with that part of the plot and 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 since there's plenty when... of practice at this like i said the hand of omega the, the the time war there's been plenty of times when the doctor has destroyed the last dalek in the universe but not really so perhaps that isn't actually out of uh out of whack it might be out of whack with the way the stories have been made the last few years perhaps or the way the doctor has been portrayed in the last couple of years i just don't think a lot of thought was given into ramifications um 
of anything. Maybe, maybe. Would Daleks and Cybermen respond to an invite from the Sontarans along those lines so willingly? They were quite gullible, weren't they? Right, good. Obviously, lots of opinion on that. We shall, <laughs> we shall, we shall move on then. Perhaps uh, uh, something... Of the unbelievable things that happened in this season, that's fairly low down my list. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, a different kind of um, story thread uh, that started, I think this was in episode three. Was it episode three that we met Belle for the first time? I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Belle was only in uh, Flux for, for half the number of episodes. And uh, Brent, in the past, I think, listening to your comments that you've recorded, you, you quite like, well, you quite liked Flux, I think, more than the rest of us put together. But I think this particular storyline, uh, the, the kind of romantic element, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, I mean, are, are we done with that, do you think? Or is has that got more more to run? I think it's done. I wouldn't mind seeing them pop up again later in in a story or or so just to visit, but uh, yeah, I think their storyline is done when they mm. uh, when they reunited and they found out about the baby and all. That. I think they pretty much wrapped that up. And as as far as a storyline, even though I enjoyed it, it was totally unnecessary. You could have cut that <laughs> entire thing out and saved a bit of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder whether or not there was a reason for their inclusion initially that was then just foregone at some point because it felt as though their story was important when in point of fact it really wasn't <laughs> but I mean there's loads of stories like that there were so many stories that were put in that didn't need to be there and again I come back to it, it feels like there was double the amount of stories that the, that they originally intended to tell hmm. for various reasons they had to slice it down but rather than slicing it down in a sensible way, which means you make some harsh choices and say, okay, this plot line's going, this story's going, this character's going. They try to keep everything in. And so everything ended up getting, you know, a fraction of the airtime that it should have had. And it's a mess. Perhaps revising an intricately woven plot down from, I don't know, let's say 10 episodes to six really quickly is actually really complicated and difficult. And perhaps this is the best we were ever going to get. But leaving those circumstances aside, so trying to make sense of what we have got, I'm just intrigued to find out whether or not, you know, it's it's best just to forget about it and pretend it never really existed and be, just be grateful that we got some really good moments with Influx, given a time when, you know, COVID is absolutely rampant. Or do we sit there and try and say, no, well, it is a little better than, you know, the, the conditions in which it was made forced it to, to, to appear? The, the overall feeling I've got from the Flux season is if you imagine a big box full of jigsaw pieces and I'm picking up an individual piece and saying, wow, there's a lovely bit of art on that jigsaw piece. I really like that little picture there. I wonder what the bigger picture looks like, but none of the pieces ever fit together. And so you've got lots and lots of nice little individual pieces but they never form a picture, which perform, which is ultimately really unsatisfying. So would that picture have been any clearer had the Bell and Vinda plotline been more significant? And you know all the fan speculation about who their baby was. I mean, in theory, that story may not be complete yet, mm. but had, had, in, had in episode six it been, I don't know, Susan or, or some other ridiculous theory that we've heard, um, if, if it was actually more important, would that have been better? Would that have made that picture you're talking about on the front of the jigsaw box clearer? Well, well possibly, but I mean, you can say that about almost every single plot line in Flux. Yes, I like the Bell and Vinda Plotline, I thought they were well acted. I thought it was they were interesting characters. Would love to have seen some more airtime for them. 
but there were other ones. There were other plot lines. You know, Professor Jericho. There was there was loads of different uh, character lines and plot lines, some of which were good, some of which were less good, and none of them got the airtime that they needed. So yes, I, I think you could have done more with them, and it would have been more satisfying. But that's true of every single plot line in the whole season. Yeah, I do. I think if you're given a choice, right? So let's say you got the Bell and Vinda storyline and the Grand Serpent storyline. Of the two, to me, the Grand Serpent storyline had much more potential, and I would like to have seen that one fleshed out. Even if it was at the disposal of something like Bell and Vinda, I think they're the same storyline, and I think they may yet be fleshed out um, because remember, Vinda worked for the Grand Serpent, and mm-hmm. and so Vinda and Bell and the Grand Serpent are all coming from the same storyline, the same plot line, the same culture, the same planet. Somehow, uh, they all have this understanding of time travel and, and spaceships, and um, and so. I think there is the possibility that plotline could get picked up because all of those characters are still alive out there. Uh, And I don't say this with a whole lot of optimism, but if it were to be given the time it needed to breathe in a special or two, Mm. then I would be happy that it got postponed and was allowed to come into its own in in a more concentrated way. And I do wonder whether or not we are judging this as a series, which is kind of what I want to do, because you just review it on the basis of what is in front of you, or do we fall into what potentially we can describe as the trap Ian fell into partway through, which is saying, this is good, this is good, if it ends well. So these next two these next two episodes, in fact, I'll ask you, Ian, because clearly I think this is much more appropriate for your uh, your experience. If these next two specials manage to address some of the things that we all accept have not been wrapped up well, will that change your opinion of the six episodes that we do have right now? I think it's unlikely. Uh, I, I think we've gone too far uh, and pushed the, and progressed the story too far to retrospectively save it now because they've landed so much of it they didn't land it well they crashed it into the side of a mountain but they have landed a lot of it so it's done you know the the ship has sailed there's no going back and saving a lot of it now could they do more with some of the characters yes but they would be doing more they wouldn't be resolving what they have because they for for good or ill they have resolved a lot of it mostly for ill Mm. yeah um i'm wondering how locked those episodes are i'm assuming they must be virtually finished in terms of post-production they were all filmed at the same time so i think they'll all have the same strengths and weaknesses to be honest with you well yeah but post-production offers you a massive opportunity to leave scenes out include ones that you'd left out and take other things out so i think you know in in the aftermath of flux those six episodes i think there is quite a lot of decisions that they could still make in post-production post-productions massively impactful in terms of the actual story that gets uh, gets transmitted in the end and i do wonder whether or not it's an interesting period uh, for those involved in that production at the moment or whether actually they've said well no we're not going to touch it it's done we've edited it together it's stuck on the shelf it's ready to go out now when, when so when would a final episode go out at the moment we, we know we've got one coming up in uh, a couple of weeks got another one at easter and this is is the centenary isn't it it's the bbc centenary yeah, it's in october so, thank you october so that's a yeah. heck of a long time for something just to sit on the shelf and be completely left untouched. I, I do wonder whether or not they will go back and do some bits and pieces. That would that. require Chibnall to have enough self-awareness to think he needs to. 
Uh, and given what he put out in flux, I'm not convinced that he would have that self-awareness or belief that he has to make any changes. I wonder. I wonder. Let's just talk about a couple of other characters in Flux who are not actually certain we focused on much at all during our review episodes. Uh, Claire Brown, who I think was a fascinating character, particularly in Village of the Angels, and the fact that uh, she was clairvoyant, I, I, I found intriguing and slightly spooky as well. Um, but also Di, who was set up in episode one as a reasonably important character, who kind of appeared... In, in, in a kind of ghost form, uh, as and when Dan was in the Temple of Atropos, he, the, the only individual who was in the passenger form who we saw oh, was yeah. in there was Di. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then towards the end of episode six, we saw her decide uh, to, to move on because events had become too traumatic uh, and, and she couldn't couldn't contemplate spending any further time with Dan because he was he was late. Um, I mean, those stories, again, feel incidental to me. Yeah, I think Di is a perfect example of an entire character and plotline that served no purpose in the season and could have been excised for zero loss, for absolutely zero loss. Her, her entire existence within the season added up to nothing. I mean, if, if Dan had got the girl at the end, at least then you'd have had the, well, Dan gets the girl. But he didn't even get that. He got, you know, she she rejected him. So it did nothing at all. So why not take it out? I mean, it just needs a bold editorial decision to take that out and give a little bit more time to any of the other numerous plot lines. I mean, I think the entire diversion into being inside the passenger and escaping, all of that could have gone. It didn't achieve anything. So, you know, why did these, why were these things kept in when the series was so screaming for airtime to explain everything else? What Michelle said a few weeks ago about Chibnall not wanting to kill his babies and having way too many storylines. And, okay, I want to get this one in. I want to get this one in. And, you know, somebody's got to be there to rein him in and say, you know, take a couple of these out. <laughs> Develop what you have. So the ex- I'm watching season six of The Expanse now that's just come out. And I saw an interview with the makers of that. Now, The Expanse has been 10 episodes per season. Season six, they got six. So they had to do exactly what Chibnall had to do. And they said there was a couple of characters who they had ideas for, they had plots for, they'd set it up two seasons earlier, and they had and they had to make really tough choices and say, we're never going to pay that off now because we don't have the airtime and we'd rather tell a smaller story well than cram too many things in. And, and they talk about making those tough choices, even though they really wanted to pay off that character arc. And that's the exact thing that Chibnall should have done and hasn't. I'd like to understand the differences between those two processes. I I know for certain that anything the BBC produces is done quickly and more cheaply than anything else that isn't produced by the BBC. So I do wonder on whether or not those situations are directly comparable. And And I do think there is an element of the fact that Chibnall doesn't really know how to end things. And I think that was nothing to do with the pandemic. I mean, you take a look at some of the episodes 
in the two previous seasons or the previous two seasons. And uh, I, I think, again, there's there's lots of stories that just finish rather than come to a climax or a satisfactory resolution. Um, one of the things I did want to ask is if, you know, I mean, what, three weeks might not be enough space to really answer this properly, but if you were to revisit a set of episodes, one of Chibnall's three series, would this be top of your list to go and revisit because strangely it probably would be mine yeah me too um even though we have a lot of problems with this story as far as too many storylines and and not a lot of them being uh, wrapped up properly it was still very exciting and and much more um exciting than 11 and 12 seasons 11 and 12 because i, I just thought it was a, a great improvement hmm. um but like you know, like we've said, if they if they'd have added a couple of more episodes and sort of fleshed some of this out and gave a bit more answers, I think it would have been even greater. I do want to go back and watch the entire Jody run, and I felt like enough time had too much time had gone between episodes, particularly season twelve and this season, because I think I missed some things that you got because you went back and rewatched some of the applicable episodes from mm. the previous season but i don't think i can say i want to watch one more than the other i want to watch her whole run in a shorter period of time than we were able to experience them in real life yeah if i was to go back i would do what you did james and probably revisit the timeless child story because mm. it's ended up being more significant than it perhaps seemed at the time and it would i think be useful because you got a lot out of going back and rewatching those stories before seeing Surprisingly. flux yeah. so I, I think i mu- the only trouble is then i get to see you know cyber time lords again and i'm not sure i can do that to myself <laughs> that was the toughest part to revisit ian i have to say uh, because that was the third uh, of the three that i revisited from season 12 um ascension of the cybermen was infinitely better than i remembered there's a lot of good moments in there um most of them have got nothing to do with the main plot it's all about the the intercut division story and again the character who you end up realizing is the doctor brandon um but uh fugitive of the jadoon which i'd only seen on broadcast in in the past i i I hadn't gone back and rewatched it i i kind of came to the view afterwards that it wasn't such a fascinating story it was it just played around with you know established history to such an extent, it felt like a monumental episode. When I rewatched it again a few weeks ago, actually, it's a darn good episode. It's really well acted. Um, and the way it's all set up and the use of the Jadoon and the Fob Watch again, I, I just really enjoyed that. I think Fugitive is probably my favourite episode of the entire era, uh, mainly because it's, it's all to do with Time Lords and... Um, time travel as opposed to tackling a social issue really well which are the other really good episodes i think or a couple of those rosa and um i'm always going to forget this one what's the other one in that series about the partition of india oh yeah that one i like that one Good stuff. I've got one other question. This is about episode six, but I, I text Phil about this and he didn't have a clue. So I took a bit of uh, reassurance from that. Do you remember when the Grand Serpent is trying to locate Kate Stewart? Uh, he, he grabs hold of this character uh, who's got a, a buzz cut. Uh, it looks like they're just in the street somewhere and says, where is Kate Stewart? Where is Kate Stewart? <laughs> and this chap tells him. 
Who the heck was he? Right. <laughs> I thought that too. It could have been a scene that was cut out where he was in previously. If it was a mistake, let's face it, that's a production error. Yeah. There is no other way to describe it. It's not just a really bad way of moving the plot on. It's an error. It's a point blank error. That would suggest that the approach that I think was likely taken to Flux, the one that when I was discussing it with Ian earlier on, is probably likely to be accurate. If it was that rushed, then they had absolutely no opportunity to take out things that were superfluous to the plot. If if they really missed something as basic as having a character in there who had absolutely no history, no backstory, wasn't established in any way, shape or form, and they missed it, or by the time they noticed, they decided, oh, forget that, we're just going to keep it in. That, I think, is a really big indicator of the kind of pressures this production was made under. I, th- I mean, my implication was that it was a resistance fighter of some description, and there, I think there was an unspoken assumption that you know Kate was supposedly leading this big resistance fight against the Sontar, and so all humans would know who Kate were because she was the leader of their fight back. I think there was allusions to that kind of thing, and I think you can build that plot in your head, but yeah, it doesn't show up on screen. And I think, again, I think what's happened here is there was a longer story, and they've cut it out, and they've cut it out, and they've cut it out. When you're editing down, when you're editing to a word count it's very dangerous because in your head you always know what you mean and Hmm. you can easily edit beyond what anybody else will ever understand and not realise because in your head you still know what you mean and you've you've not realised that you've edited it beyond comprehension and I think that's exactly what happened. I wonder if you were talking about my editing of the DWP there, Ian, in some cases. (laughs) That (laughs) always makes sense, James. (laughs) <laughs> that's the correct thing to say well yes. yeah, we have well, well J- james will be will we be following this episode with a five minute episode explaining what we meant in this episode we can have a go <laughs> that sounds like fun to me <laughs> question for you guys do we think that the weird thing with the tardis doors and the black goo coming out of the tardis Ooh. is that oh, yeah is that it's ever going to be explained is that going to turn out to be a plot point in the future or is it just mm. something that they forgot and ran out of time? That sounded really important. I'm so glad you brought that up. And mm. I'll bet they forgot and ran out of time. I, I mean, again, you don't get any sense when the doctor is inviting Dan in at the end that that she's got any concerns on her mind. And and, and the, the next story doesn't seem like a story that will address that. So I bet it was another one of those things that just got lost. But it seemed so important. I do wonder whether it's going to be the thing that leads to the destruction or regeneration of the TARDIS. We know that set no longer exists. Phil was ever so pleased when he saw a video <laughs> online about someone breaking it up because he pathologically hates that TARDIS set. But um, but I wonder whether that's at least the start of something that we really haven't seen the end of yet. I think you may be right there. Hmm. I love the idea with doors all over the place, though. The whole, it was actually one of the more gratifying little anomalies <laughs> uh, throughout this story. But yeah, I mean, it's a great little idea, but it just and it was it was really focused on in the first couple of stories, but then just disappeared. Yeah. And you know, if if it is a future call foot forward, I think wouldn't you have expected them to seed it a little bit more evenly rather than yes. it appearing yes. to be a major plot point and then just vanishing mm-hmm. without trace? That they had it at the beginning. And never after that. I had totally forgotten about all of that until you just mentioned it. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because there was uh, stuff oozing out of the walls, too. And, and uh, along with the doors and, like, everything was about to implode or something. I, I didn't know. But, 
Yeah, totally forgot all about that. So I'm sure that's coming. Hopefully. At least explained in one or two lines. Something I've been thinking about, thinking again a little bit more about the fob watch. I am curious about whether the doctor was always, always had the same values that we see now. Whether the doctor was always, <laughs> you know, good. Whether the doctor was always championing life. And um, is that something that only became a thing in the regenerations that she can remember? I mean, we know the first doctor was a little iffy sometimes on his ethics. Um, is that something that the doctor developed into in the history as we know it? Or was it always, was that strand always there? I think that's a really intriguing point. I think it's almost certainly linked to wherever the division storyline is going as well. Because clearly at one point, if the doctor was engaged as a an agent of some kind, uh, was she essentially pressured into working for the division uh, throughout hundreds or thousands of regenerations? Or, or was it something that she was actually fully signed up to? And, and that, to me, feels as though if we find out more about the division, then it would naturally lead to stories that examine what the Doctor was like in the past. And, and again, Fugitive of the June is a, uh, Jadoon is a really good... Um, it's a really good piece of um, research in this regard because they do talk about the division in quite some detail and the doctor of course has been programmed in in a certain way do you remember the ruth doctor uh, was suddenly able to well it wasn't quite martial art but it looked like some kind of um you know fighting skill or talent uh, she'd been trained in because she was a division agent or a division operative hmm. so yeah i do wonder i wonder if that is where we're, we're heading on this if i had to guess the original character of the doctor as the timeless child is the naturally good side of life, all that stuff. Um, and the division, I mean, there was an area of programming. You think of the the, 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 the life where they he was the, 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 the police officer and that kind of stuff, and then killed off and started again. And you got the impression that there were cycles and cycles and cycles that the division, mm. you almost get an idea of brainwashing. So, yeah, I, I, I wonder if there was a brainwashing effort and then for a while, the doctor succumbed to the brainwashing and then became the fugitive and escaped, which led to the doctor that we know now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that character was Brandon and it was the doctor. And at the end of that story, that was Ascension of the Cybermen. Uh, at, at, the, at the end of that story, it ended in memories being wiped again or stored in the fob watch. Another question for you guys. Do you think we'll ever see any more of Swarm and Azure? Or do you think they're gone forever? No. I think they're gone too. I think that I think that Chibnall addressed that in that interview, and I think they're gone. I didn't like him anyway, but I thought that was a deeply unsatisfying way to wrap up their story. Right, dear listeners, that is pretty much it. That's our Flux coverage completed for a little while until Ian does a solo miniseries uh, in a couple of months' time <laughs> that revisits every episode in intricate detail all by himself. I think that sounds good. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> you should see the look on Ian's face, dear listener. We can see it, you can't. Um, but in, in the meantime, you have 
more new Doctor Who to look forward to on New Year's Day. We will be back at some point, hopefully immediately after transmission, and then once again a few days afterwards as well. We've then got our 2022 predictions episode, so lots to look forward to. Thank you very much, guys, Michelle, Ian and Brent for joining me for the last hour or so. I hope it wasn't too painful for for, for any of you. Um, (laughs) And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again, as we do to you listeners as well. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. journey over the last six weeks Ian has been the most defined and pronounced because you've you've almost chronologued it if that's is that a word you've 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 kind of chronicles thank you I'll say that again chronologue that's brilliant isn't it that should be a word that should be a word